But Thursday afternoon on a summer in July was a very good day in the life and times of John Wilkerson. It was right here. It wasn't in this building. It was this time this was a department store, but right across the street. 42 years ago on a Thursday afternoon, right, right now. I was 13 years old. I lived in Superior, Wisconsin. Our good pastor, Pastor Rick Scarberry, who now lives with Jesus, he and my dad were good friends, and we went up there to live there for about two and a half, three years. And Mr. Ingleby and Mr. Wark, Steve Wark was my Sunday school teacher, and he told us, we're going to try to take some kids down to a youth conference in Hamden, Indiana. He says, we only got one van, and so we had to fit as many people as we could in there. We fit 11 people in the van, and then we stopped in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and picked up a young lady named Sherry Hallett, and her brother is here today. And we came down here to a youth conference. I don't remember this for sure, but I, I do know this. My dad wanted me to come. My mom wanted me to come. After I got back from youth conference, I found out how much they wanted me to come. I was watching my mom, watching my mom uh, wash dishes. I had never seen my mom without her wedding band. And I said, Mom, where's your, where's your ring? He goes, uh, you know, I'm going to get it back. You're going to get it back. So I didn't ask too many questions. She didn't want to give me more information. My parents took their wedding band off and took it to a pawn shop so I would have enough money to come to an event like this. I was the oldest. My little sister Mary's in here this afternoon. And I'm, I was 13, and uh, she was five. And in between us, there were four other, four other siblings. But my mom and dad loved me, and uh, they wanted me to come. I sat in the balcony that time, and most all week we sat in the same place. I don't remember all the preachers. I don't even remember the messages so much. I did go out to the college, and, and I slept in the gymnasium on a cot, showered in the locker room there, heard Brother Eddie preach, remember hearing Brother Johnny Pope preach, and, and other good men of God spoke that week. And I thought, this is bigger than life. Man, this is something else. But all that went away on a Thursday afternoon as I sat there, and they asked people, listen, why in the world do you think you're sitting in this room? Why are you sitting here and someone else is not? Why is it God brought you here? And, and is it possible that God wants you to surrender to him? And I remember sitting there in that, in that, in that balcony. I could take you to the very spot. It's just, just, you know, it's probably 300 feet from here. And I can go right there. And I remember watching young people come forward. And I was so glad. I really looked down and I started crying. I was 13 years old. My teeth were so crooked, all I could sing is, all I want for Christmas is one straight tooth. <laughs> I was skinny as a rail. I was in a poor family. And I figured that out somewhere in my 11th, 12th grade year that other people had a higher echelon of economic strength than the Wilkerson people did. I realized I was living in government housing projects and old farmhouses. The house we lived in at the time was next door to the church, and the church owned it, so the church let us live there. 
So I realize, okay, you know, I'm poor. I, don't, I feel like when I look in the mirror, I don't like the way I look. I'm 13. Things are not, I don't even know why. I, and I remember seeing people like Pastor Stuart Mason. He came up on the right side. Brother Don Harley and, and many people that, that Thursday afternoon came on that platform. There might be people right here this afternoon that, that came on that same platform. But the Lord did something in my heart. I sat there and I, and I, and I saw kids go up there. I said, I see why that guy would go. I mean, that guy plays, looks like a football player. That's a beautiful girl. Or I could see why they would do it. I could not find a reason why in the world God would want me to go. And I just started crying. And uh, I started crying and Mr. Ingleby, who went home to be with the Lord just about four weeks ago, he died. But he was a man in our church that drove the van. And he was sitting up there, and maybe some other folks went down the altar, I don't know, but he saw me crying. And he came over and put his arm around me and said, John, what's the matter? I remember just telling him, I don't know. He said, God talking to you? I said, probably. So what are you supposed to do? He said, I probably should be down on the platform. I said, but I don't. I looked at crying. I was crying. <laughs> I said, I don't know what I can do. And I said, I said, he said, John, don't worry about that. Just tell God you'll do it. And boy, that was a wonderful day. When he put his arm around me and I, he prayed and I prayed. And I don't think we filled out a slip. I wish I would have. But in my heart, God confirmed. That's what. That was my moment when I, I had a moment of salvation. That's when I knew I had Jesus. He that the Son of everlasting life. If you're here and you're not sure you have the Son, you need to get saved. Eternity is a long time to wish you would have gotten saved. And uh, spend eternity separated from God in the lake of fire burning and, and experience a torment of God forever and ever. And you had every reason. I, I, I wouldn't want to go to hell from China. I wouldn't want to go to hell from Russia. I think it's terrible. I wouldn't want to go to hell from India. But I really wouldn't want to go to hell from this room. When you have been asked over and over and over again, please come to Jesus. He that hath the Son of everlasting, whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Accept him. And you're like, no, no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid what someone might think about me. Everybody thinks I'm saved. If you're not saved, you are nuts. Not to get saved. And have to look the Lord Jesus in the eye one day and say, man, you gave me so many chances and I went to hell. That'd be terrible. I'd already gotten saved. I had a day of salvation when I knew that God had, I had Jesus. But that day was a day when I understood that Jesus had me. I wasn't my own. And much of the conference, and I don't even think only by design, we have sat in hours and hours, poured over what we're going to do and when the skit's going to come and what we're going to do with the launch legacy and, and, uh, and what message we're going to preach and who is going to preach each message. All that stuff we try to do our very best, but we ask the Spirit of God to help us. But right now, I just think we're in this time where we need to say, hey, is it your time to surrender to the Lord? What are, you, what are you waiting for? What in the world would you be afraid about? 
45 hours and 26 minutes ago, we met here for the first time at this conference at 6 p.m. on Tuesday evening. We have heard lots of things. We've enjoyed lots of time together from the first time we sang I'll Fly Away with Brother Ricky to right now. We've heard messages from Brother Brown reminding us don't play games with God's goodness, with his greatness. Don't play games with his game plan for your life. Let him have his way. Brother Jerry Ross would speak for us later that night after Brother James Goodall reminded us, make sure you know you're saved. And numbers of people got that settled, and we rejoice with you. And Brother Ross talked about the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life. He reminded us that we're going to have a season where we're not going to feel complete because we're made to be married. Some may not be, but most are. And you're going to not feel complete. But you don't want to buy into Satan's counterfeit. You want to trust God. You want to wait on God. And you don't want to spend your time thinking, oh, is it her? Is it him? Or who's going to love me? Or who, can I, who, can, who do I like to be with? No, no. While you're, while you're waiting on God, you don't want to pursue. You want to prepare. You want to prepare yourself and say, you know, what is it that God wants me to do? And you want to be pure while you're waiting. It was a fantastic message. The next, next morning we had the joy to hear um, a message that uh, reminded us of, of how important it is that you and I learn the biblical principles of, of uh, not being ashamed. Brother John Francis reminded us here together, he said, like Samuel, he wasn't ashamed to surrender to the Lord. He wasn't ashamed to stand, even though Hopni and Phineas didn't do their thing. He wasn't ashamed to serve God in his generation. That helped me. After that, we heard Brother Andy Gomez talk about Satan's hope for us, is that we would... We would obey man rather than God. and Eventually, that we would just do nothing. We would just continue as we are. What a tragic thing is to leave youth conference and be the same clown you were when you came in. Not go, go back no different. Just like, oh, I went there. It was great. And it was fun. We had a great time. Good fireworks. That's it? That's Satan's hope for us. And we heard so many good missions moments, Brother Holmes and Brother DeMoville reminding us really that life given to the Lord is the best life. Brother Lapina challenges on soul winning. And then Brother Conger, what a great message of the soul winning car of young men that stood over here and sang for us. And we had the opportunity to see pictures of them when they were in the sixth grade with little New Testaments and talking to people, and now they all look eye to eye. Remind us that soul winning is important. It's the only thing in heaven. We're not going to be able to do soul winning in heaven. We only get to do it here, getting the gospel out to people. Then, of course, Brother Eddie's message on Jonah. What a great truth. What a great uh, reminder of us that uh, not only does the loss need you to be a soul winner, and your church needs you to be a soul winner, your country needs you to be a soul winner, but the world needs you to be a soul winner.
the day you had the chance to hear uh, this morning Brother, Brother Torres talk about being a friend and about being, having good friends. A friend can really mess you up. Some of you got that friend right now. You think more about them than you think about your parents. You think more about them than you think about God and His will. Just like that, that little young, those two young men who illustrated the fact that two young men heard the same messages, went to the same church, went to the same conference, and one went one way, and 30 years later they're drinking coffee and saying, what an idiot I was. And the other one's saying, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> it's a great truth. And remind us of that, Brother Thompson, chapter 5 of Jonah. So chapter 5 going to be, what are you going to do with that? Just a great reminder to all of us. And then we had the chance to hear the girls and Mrs. Woosley. You might remember that beautiful lady standing with talking about her husband John, her two kids, and another one on the way. The blessings of God from a bus child to, to a life that she treasures. And then listen to Miss, Mrs. Brown, Miss Charity. Girls, you remember hearing her, what, what the values are of a good black book. How that getting loaned with the Bible challenges you and helps you in so many ways. And then Brother Reno Likens, young man, Proverbs chapter 5, remind you about the dangers of a strange woman. Some of you, 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 you don't have a woman, you've got a phone. You've got something, you're, you, you're, you're, getting, you're getting trapped. It's messing with you. And God tells us, don't do it, don't do it. Purity is always powerful. Immorality. Every moment you spend looking or talking or texting someone or trying to get something to see or do something with somebody is a, is a dumb moment. Reminding us about that. And another Hubal told you his testimony and about being like Caleb. He was a minority, but a very important uh, decision. Even outlasted everybody else. And by the way, you'll outlast everybody if you just do what's right. You'll be so glad you did. Time has gone by, and then, of course, we have a very powerful illustration today of Brother Woosley's testimony at the end and the blessings of your future if you'll just surrender to him. And then, of course, we just heard Brother Holmes remind us of that wonderful thing. Always nervous about surrender. We like to, like, it's like a little boy. Could you imagine a little boy on the, at the lunch of Jesus? When a, a Andrew started looking for lunch, people didn't, only one kid. There are a lot of people there had a lunch. I don't think he was the only kid on the whole day that had a lunch. Probably some guy saw him coming and saw Andrew looking for a lunch and said, nope, you're not having my lunch. He didn't want, want to give it away. Other people might have said, no, I'm going to eat it myself. And they feed one person. Boy, I think it's beautiful. That little boy. We don't even know his name. But he was willing to give his lunch. He was there. He was prepared. And he was willing. You guys are all here. You're prepared. And God's asking for your lunch. And you can keep and eat it for yourself and do whatever you want to do. You can go wherever you want to go to college. You can do whatever you want to do with your career. You can do whatever you feel like is best for you. But God always leaves his best to those who keep the choices up to him. Anybody that's got a brain in their head, and by the way, you ought to listen to people a little older than you. They've been through some things. You, one thing we can give you that you can't give yourself is experience. 
I think it's why we have this. You know, we have a youth conference because of you. Two reasons why we have a youth conference. We don't do it because we just need something to do. It's not worth it. Unless, for two reasons, the cause of Christ and you. You. And I don't care if you're 13 and you're a boy or you're 15, you're a girl, or you just graduated from high school, or you're postgraduate, just came along to try, to try to encourage everybody in your youth group. The reason we have this thing is because of you. And we want you to be glad you did one day and not wish you would have. I want you to surrender to the Lord, not because it does anything for me. You heard about Howells Anderson College, and five years after I sat in that balcony and surrendered to serve the Lord, God let me come here. There's a lot of good colleges out there, and where you need to go, I met people that are going to other good colleges yesterday, at the, at the, and I, I'm happy. I don't, I don't, we're not in competition. We want you to do what God wants you to do. God let me come here, and now let me come back to be here. It's a place of preparation. It's a place of connection. It's a place of, of learning and practicing. And I, I think it's a great place. But there's one verse I want to share with you, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it's verse number 9. And the Bible says, the scripture saith, it's a repeat reference to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 64. And the Bible tells us, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Young person, the big factor in this room is does God love you, and do you love him? Do you love him? There's all things. He can make all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Love is the factor. Young people, I, I, I'm telling you, I could say it. I almost feel embarrassed to say it again because it's been said so many times. But I could never script a better life for the life and times of John Wilkerson that God has done. I give him so little, and he blesses me so much. And I haven't met anybody that's old that gave themselves to God that says, I made the biggest mistake of my life. But I have met scores and hundreds of people that said, I wish I would have. I don't want you to be in that group. What God says is, I have not seen it. If God could show you your future, you wouldn't believe it if you would love him. He said, if God could sit down, I could tell you, or he told me what's going to happen in your future. If you would love God, you would not believe it. You couldn't believe what I was telling you. If I could show you photo albums of future of how your life would be if you love the Lord, you wouldn't believe it. And the Bible says, nor entered into the heart of man. You, you couldn't, your heart would blow up if you knew all that God has for you. If you would love him. And I, I am excited about it. Because I believe in this room there are some young people that love God. Now you don't love him like you should and like you're going to. But I believe there's some folks. There's some of you that you just don't give a rip. You're just not interested. And I, and I, I love you. But you're going to make your decision. But I plead with you to consider loving God with the rest of your life. And realizing how much he loves you. How good he is, how great he is, and his game plan for your life. He said, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor in the heart of the man, things God's prepared for anybody who loves him. 
And the Spirit of God is the shortcut. Being Spirit-filled is a shortcut to experiencing that love. Just a few moments, we're going to sing a congregational song. A young lady is going to get up with her friends and sing a song that she wrote that uh, is unbelievable. You heard it last night on the shores of, of the lake out there. You're going to hear it again. And then you're going to hear Brother Brown preach. Would you just bow your head right now and say, God, please know that I love you. Help me to love you more. Help me to know how much you love me. If I could get anybody to do anything, I'd just get you just to believe God loves you and love him back. We love him because he first loved us. He loves you, young person. He's the best. Never get ripped off with God. Never. You can trust him. You can believe him and you can know that he loves you and you can love him back. I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Apostle Paul said it like this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Can you finish it with me? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, thank you very much for the chance to share these thoughts. Thank you for people willing to listen and the gracious respect that is given in this room for these few moments. Please work. Help us. On this Thursday afternoon, may it be monumental for someone. And I pray for many someones. I pray that you would please meet every young person to the point of their need and keep challenging them, help their hearts to be tender, Help their wills to be broken. Lord, let them surrender themselves to you for whatever you have for their future. While they wait, I pray they'd be faithful to church. They'd read their Bible daily. They'd pray daily. They'd give aggressively of their income to you. And they would share the gospel with others. But while we wait, help us to be what we ought to be. So we'll do what you want us to do. And enjoy your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.